Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome to Good for a Weekend, the podcast where two friends talk about Taylor Swift. I'm Allie. And I'm Cressy. And on today's episode, we're talking all things Evermore, because if your name is Taylor Swift, one album a year is just not enough. And God bless her work ethic. Taylor, please rest. As we all know, it has been quite the year for our dear Taylor. And for this episode, we are going to focus solely on the musical masterpiece that is Evermore. Some may say even a Southern Gothic masterpiece. (laughs) Exactly. Also known as the unreleased episode of I Did Something Crescent, (laughs) which may or may never happen. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. um, But moral of the story, Cressy, where do we even begin? We have a lot of things to cover today. We asked you all to send in your Evermore reactions so we could include them in an episode, and y'all did not disappoint. You sent so many to us that we're making your Evermore reactions an episode of their own. And thank y'all so much for sending them in. It was so fun to read them all and listen to them. Um, I think everyone really enjoyed hearing the different input during Swifty Confessions, so it's fun to get some new opinions on the podcast. Another little campfire session. And we are going to start a very new schedule for the new year. We have set our resolution to get on a normal release schedule for Good for a Weekend. And here's what we got. We are going to start releasing an episode every other Thursday. You heard that right. We have a schedule. Now, you might get some little bonuses in between. For instance, new editions of I Did Something Cressy or Don't Blame Allie. But you will be able to count on every other Thursday there being a new episode release. And y'all can start your weekend with us. Yes. It's gonna be a good weekend, some may say. Yes, that was, that's the, if you listen that's to it on the Friday. idea. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we thought Thursday release, good for a weekend. You know, you can sit back, yeah. relax, listen to us if you want to, if that's how you spend your weekends. We'd love Or wait till that. Monday if this is a work thing for you. You know, whatever. We don't judge. Whatever tickles your fancy, honestly. So. I hate that <laughs> saying so much. I don't know why, but I just had a physical aversion in my body when you said that. Swifty Lakes, are you proud? I'm using British idioms. 
Is that an idiom? I have no idea. But you get what I'm saying. (laughs) And now that Allie has brought up English idioms, let's get this episode started. Yes! Let's start with a general overview of the album and then follow it with a song-by-song analysis of all that Evermore has to offer. So, without further ado, welcome to the Evermore episode. To begin, why don't we jump into some background on Evermore as an album? So, on December 10th of 2020, that fateful day, Taylor gave us the news that no one was expecting. After posting nine photos on Instagram that eventually made up the entirety of her soon-announced Evermore album cover, Taylor shared in an Instagram caption, quote, I'm elated to tell you that my ninth studio album and folklore sister record will be out tonight at midnight Eastern. It's called Evermore. To put it plainly, we just couldn't stop writing songs. To try and put it more poetically, it feels like we were standing on the edge of the folklorian woods and had a choice, to turn and go back or to travel further into the forest of this music. We chose to wander deeper in. I've never done this before. In the past, I've always treated albums as one-off eras and moved on to planning the next one after an album was released. There was something different with folklore. In making it, I felt less like I was departing and more like I was returning. I love the escapism I found in these imaginary slash not imaginary tales. I love the ways you welcome the dreamscapes and tragedies and epic tales of love lost and found into your lives. So I just kept writing them. And I loved creating these songs with Aaron Dessner, Jack Antonoff, WB, and Justin Vernon. We've also welcomed some new and longtime friends to our musical kitchen this time around, end quote. Taylor also announced on December 10th that the music video for Willow would premiere at midnight. Now, I don't even think you guys have to ask if Cressy and I stayed up till midnight. If you're listening to this podcast, I would bet that you probably stayed up till midnight too. It was, it was a magical experience. Um, I guess it was just kind of more out of the blue, so it felt different than folklore. I don't know. Cressy, what was your experience? Um, I don't know if I want to be honest, Allie. I was frankly a little annoyed. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was just like, really, this again? Midnight. I need a break. I need to go to bed. My sleep schedule's all messed up. I was just being a big whiny baby. And then when... I watched the video and the album came out. That all went away in a split second. So I was initially not super excited. I mentioned this on I Did Something Crusty. I've chatted about it with my psychiatrist. We're getting into that. We talk about Taylor Swift now, so that's that's fun. But yeah, at first, a little annoyed. And then it immediately went away. Yeah, I would say I was still excited, but it did... Like, it was still, like, a fun, magical experience, like, staying up till midnight, hearing new Taylor. Um, Mm -hmm. But it did just feel slightly less climatic. Is that... Am I saying that right? I think I've seen the... I think I've seen this film before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I will say probably the most exciting moment of the night was the moment when the music video for Willow finally started. And it started with her on the piano from folklore you know in the cabin Mm -hmm. that honestly shook me because I was like holy shit did she record that part forevermore when she recorded the cardigan music video or did she go back recreate that whole set 
and then create the Willow music video. Mm-hmm. I was honestly very baffled. Yeah, I have no idea what she did. I was like, my reaction when I saw her start in that folklore set was she knew this entire time, but obviously we don't know whether she really did know the entire time or not. That is still heavily disputed. So who knows? <laughs> Among ourselves. Among ourselves. The world. <laughs> yeah. Chris we don't and know I, what y'all think, but for us. Yeah, we stand on two opposite sides. Opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Very opposite sides. So... It just mis- it just displaced me. I just wasn't expecting it to start with that, you know? It was so Taylor Swift, to be honest. It was. Classic Taylor. She move. always keeps us on our toes. You know? know. Classic Taylor. We say as if we've known her. I know. I do like Our whole she- lives. I was super excited to see the invisible string reference, though, throughout the Willow yeah. music video. That was fun. The golden string. Yeah. I was like, that's a nice touch. I have chills. I'm in baby but <laughs> that was it was also super like peter pan-esque like the cardigan video yeah especially with um like her being tinkerbell locked up in that cage oh right that was like almost a direct you know parallel to the peter pan movie mm-hmm. like exactly which i don't think i haven't seen peter pan in a very long time so i don't think i would have ever realized that so i feel like taylor definitely sat down and watched peter pan before this era mm-hmm just like I watched Peter Pan after Folklore came out, and I realized some things about the movie that I did not want to realize. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Moving forward. Times have changed for the better. Yes. But let's talk about some of the stats for Evermore. According to Forbes, Evermore is Taylor's eighth consecutive number one album. Holy cow. For having nine albums total in her career, that is pretty damn good. Eight mm-hmm. out of the nine have been number one albums. Also, when the standard edition of Evermore premiered on streaming services, all 15 tracks on the standard edition landed on the top 18 stream songs on Spotify. Impressive. Evermore was the second biggest album debut of 2020, only falling behind Taylor's folklore release earlier in the year. Who is Taylor Swift? Like, that is just unheard of. Evermore is- Taylor Swift is the music industry. I mean, honestly, anything she puts out, it's just, it's just number one. Evermore's lead single, Willow, was the sixth biggest Spotify debut of 2020. In an interview with Billboard, Taylor's co-writer and fellow producer Aaron Dessner was asked about the making of Evermore compared to the making of Folklore. And Aaron answers, quote, A lot more of it was made from scratch. After Folklore came out, I think Taylor had written two songs early on that we both thought were for Big Red Machine, Closure and Dorothea. But the more I listened to them, not that they couldn't be Big Red Machine songs, but they felt like interesting, exciting Taylor songs. Closure is very experimental and in this weird time signature, but still lyrically felt like some evolution of folklore, and Dorothea definitely felt like it was reflecting on some character. And I, sort of in celebration of folklore, had written a piece of music that I titled Westerly. That's where she has the house that she wrote Last Great American Dynasty about. I'll do that sometimes, just make things for friends or write music just to write it. But I didn't think at all it would become a song. And she, like, in an hour, sent back Willow written to that song. And that sort of set things in motion. And we just started filling this Dropbox again. It was kind of like, what's happening? And then it just kept going. She wrote Gold Rush with Jack Antonoff. 
And by the end, there were 17 songs, and it was only a couple of months after Folklore came out. So it's pretty wild. Each time we would be just in disbelief and kind of like, how is this possible? Especially because we didn't need to talk much about structure or ideas or anything. It was just this weird avalanche, end quote. Yeah, Ali, so I know you know that I want to talk about champagne problems. So since I'm going to be super annoying, do you want to start with Willow? To kind of give <laughs> yeah. me some time to catch my breath and get ready for this soliloquy that I'm about to have? Yes, I'll start with Willow. So I'm going to preface this song-by-song analysis by saying for each song, we're going to say who wrote the song as well as who produced it. Um, But I got all these facts from Wikipedia. So if you want to double check that, do that on your own time. We think it's right. Wikipedia hasn't really failed us yet. um, But just that being said, don't hate us if we're wrong. So starting with track one. Willow was written by Shocker, Taylor Swift, and Aaron Dessner, and was produced by Aaron Dessner. So people, from what I've been hearing, it hasn't been as much of a unanimous, like, I love this lead single as I felt like Cardigan was. Mm -hmm. You know, like, some people may not have loved Cardigan as much as other people, but I felt like generally people really, really liked the song Cardigan. Mm -hmm. Willow, I've heard back and forth, mostly because people have said that the lyrics don't make sense or something like that. For me personally, Willow isn't my favorite song on the album, like Cardigan grew to be for me for Folklore. But I think that Willow, honestly, I think that it was a good lead single. I think that it set a vibe for the album and it was more upbeat, more fun than Cardigan, which I think is exactly how I view Evermore compared to Folklore. So I think in terms of setting the scene and setting the, you know, setting the stage for Evermore, I think Willow did the job and it did the job well. Mm -hmm. But uh, I do have to say something. I saw an article call a certain line in Willow cliche, and it was every bait and switch was a work of art. And when they called it cliche, I was honestly a little confused because I personally don't really know what that line means so Cressy I thought I'd ask you what does that mean what's a bane switch I really don't know so Allie I'm actually glad you brought this up because this is going to be a very (laughs) idiom heavy episode it's my time to shine so bait and switch just on a surface level means you're getting something and it's not what you thought it was It also is a sales tactic where you're giving a claim about like, this is the best, highest quality thing on the market or blah, 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 blah. And then it turns out to be something from like wish.com. You know? Okay. All right. Yeah. So I'm in sales. I should know this. Yes. It's (laughs) just, you're not getting what you expected. And it can be used to describe people or buying things or whatever. It can be used in a lot of ways. Okay, I'm happy that you were able to clear that up for me because I was only thinking of it in terms of fishing. I was like, are they fishing in this <laughs> like daydream? I really like, I when they called it cliche, I was just like, I really, I don't really know what that means. But she kept saying it over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I knew it must've been a powerful lyric. Thank you for clearing that up. The other thing that I have to say about this song, and I already know one of the things you're gonna bring up, that one line, 
So I'm not going to mention it here because you're going to take it away. Mm-hmm. I already know what's coming. Y'all can't see our Zoom call, but I'm shaking my head violently. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> I, I'm not going to steal that from her. Um, but I do want to mention, so obviously I'm sure you all know that three different versions of this after the initial version came out, and that was the Dancing Witch, Moonlit Witch, and Lonely Witch versions of Willow. And honestly, I think the whole witchy thing of it kind of threw me off other than, you know, everyone was calling folklore, like woodland fairy vibes and things like that. Um, I think witches currently are a little bit trendy, whether that be from the coven season of American Horror Story that came out years ago, but everyone loves, or just Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, I feel like witchy things and like crystals are very in right now. So I feel like by releasing all these like witchy versions, I think she's kind of playing into that trend. Mm -hmm. So that's all I have to say about Willow. Yeah. (laughs) Cressy. So as I have alluded to on our social media accounts, if y'all follow us on there, I just don't really get this song. I, I don't dislike it. I enjoy passively listening to it. But whenever mm-hmm. I actually sit down and listen to the lyrics or I think about them, just the more it starts to unravel. Yeah. I, I don't understand the premise. I'm just going to start yeah. there. Is this a relationship? Is this guy a con artist? What's going on? <laughs> Wreck my plans. That's my man. Okay. So they're together. But he's like sneaking in to bed. At, yeah. Was he just with another lady? I, I'm confused. Yeah, yeah. And then the music video is like set in the 1800s. But then <laughs> in the music video, Taylor breaks the fourth wall, makes eye contact with the camera, and says, but I come back stronger than a 90s trend. Why did you have to look into the camera, Taylor? Why, <laughs> why did you have to physically like turn your head to just like make that even harder for me to understand. So now we're in the 1990s. And <laughs> this song is a band switch for me. I'm confused. Yeah. I just, yeah. I don't get it. I really don't. I, I, I don't hate it though. I just, it kind of falls apart for me. I don't understand the premise. So I think this is, I'm pretty sure this is something that you had texted me. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but you had said, that the I come back stronger than a 90s trend sounds like a note that she had written in her phone mm-hmm. as a potential lyric that she tried to squeeze into a song. That was me. Because I, I yeah, hate that. that. Because it's, it sounds like she was like, hmm, what, what song, what song, what song, what song? Uh, I'll put it in Willow. Yeah. When actually she should have put it in Long Story Short. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. Because that's way more autobiographical. Oh my God, I can't say that word. Autobiographical. <laughs> And because Willow is such a romantic song, suddenly referencing the way that she comes back just doesn't totally fit. Yeah, it's like about, like, were you straight? I follow. I'm begging you to take my hand. You're my man. Wreck my plans. By the way, in case you guys didn't know, I come back faster than a 90s trend. What? Yeah. And to me, that line in my head references her reputation era, Mm -hmm. like the way that she came back and how this record-breaking world tour of reputation um so like i like the line i come back mm-hmm. stronger than a 90s yeah, trend totally it just doesn't it, fit this song yeah yeah 
And it was even her bio on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So she was like, honestly, like very all in on this line. So putting it in Willow, you know, maybe she just really wanted it in her lead single to make Mm -hmm. it her Instagram bio. Um, But yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Sorry, Taylor. And this just for some reason popped in my head. Um, 90s trends really came back about like four or five years ago when we were in early college, you know? Like, it's not, we're not still, like, wearing the flower print dresses with chokers right now. (laughs) You know, I think that, um, I just had this thought, Cressy, how good would we be for a Taylor Swift focus group? Like, if they were trying to test, like, a new era, and then we were there to, like, say yay or nay. I would show up with my thesaurus. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, 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 there's gonna, there's a better word for this. Oh, 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 I was like, oh, I thought you were saying a better word for the thesaurus. Oh, no. oh the irony there. <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of the melody of Willow, I think it's really fun. Yeah. I dig the melody. It's beautiful. Like, yeah, I think it's great, and I think that's why I like listening to the song, but I, I definitely would stray away from saying it's my favorite on the album. Actually, I can definitely say mm-hmm. it's not my favorite, but it's not my least favorite. Yeah. So yeah, I, I agree with that. It's a good song to passively listen to. It works. But when you, you look too far, it starts to fall apart. It's like clothes from Forever 21, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's just, you can wear it once. Listen sure. to it Just once. don't look too closely after you wash it that first time. For some reason, when you said Forever 21, I just started thinking of 90s clothes a lot again. Yeah. The perfect place to get 90s clothes. Five years ago. Um... <laughs> five years ago i'm trying to see if i put any other notes um wait oh one response that we got on instagram uh when we asked people what they wanted us to talk about during this was the fact that um cheston our dear twitter friend thinks that there's a lot of wedding hints throughout the album and he specifically brought up in a tweet to us the lyric, you know that my train could take you home. He said that it could mean a wedding train. I'm not going to lie. That part just sounded kind of dirty to me. You know that my train could take you home? Like that was running train that was someone? <laughs> no, no, I think it's she. <laughs> oh my God. No, I was like, like take you home, you know, like. Yeah. Let's well, go so home. Mean, Mimi. So we can bang. <laughs> It felt like a reference to Champagne Problems to me. The night train. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so in this one, she's saying, that's my man. You can come home on my train, not the night train that took away the Champagne Problems guy. I don't know. Anywhere else is hollow. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't get the song. I don't get it. I need to stop looking at the lyrics because I'm just, I could talk. I could probably spend like three hours just finding different wordings and be like, what? Yeah. I think I like, I'm going to say something positive to end our Willow talk. I honestly, I really like the first verse. I'm like the water when your ship rolled in that night. Rough on the surface, but you cut through like a knife. Yeah, that really puts you Very Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh Oh my God. I wish we had said it at the same time. It's too late now. We didn't. But sexy vibes. vibes. Right there. I saw... I know this is very off topic. I'll try to stay on topic as possible. But I saw a TikTok the other day where it was like, when you were growing up, you were either an Orlando Bloom is sexy person or a Jack Sparrow 
Johnny Depp is sexy person. And if you what were, you? were, I was definitely Orlando Bloom. Like, Same. I, I was about to be like, uh, that, that would be pretty weird if you were a Jack Sparrow kind of gal. So my mom is a Jack Sparrow person, which leaves me with all kinds of questions. <laughs> TikTok basically said, if you're a Jack Sparrow person, you're doomed. Yeah, for sure. But with that said, let's move on. So moving on to track two, Champagne Problems, written by Taylor Swift and William Bowery, produced by Taylor Swift and Aaron Dessner. So during an interview with Apple Music, Taylor explained why Joe co-wrote some of Evermore's most heartbreaking tracks. Because a lot of people were like, oh, was there a proposal that she rejected? Whoa, I can only look at things on the surface level. <laughs> she revealed the lyrics have nothing to do with their own love story. She says, quote, I say it was a surprise that we started writing together, but in a way it wasn't because we've always bonded over music and had the same musical taste. And he's always the person who's showing me songs by artists and then they become my favorite songs or whatever. End quote. She later goes on to say, we just really love sad songs. What can I say? End quote. Totally get that. Next quote. I'm so excited one day to be in front of a crowd when they all sing. She would have made such a lovely bride. What a shame she's fucked in the head. I love a sad song. End quote. This is such a chaotic interview. I, I love it. I love like, but like, can't you just feel that raw like release when Kinky. you are, I shouldn't say raw release. That sounds dirty. <laughs> um, but like, I saw that at some party in, um, Australia, people were listening to Evermore together and the whole crowd shouted that song like they had that moment. And like, couldn't you just feel the pure ecstasy Mm -hmm. of just shouting, what a shame she's fucked in the head. Like that just like, oh, it just hits. hits And I love the way Taylor says it too. She like really emphasizes the fuck this time. She's like, what a shame she's fucked in the head. Like she really, she holds out the F for a second. Yeah. Well, it's like, it kind of just, to me, like, brings up how people will judge you for making your own decisions, where you're really, like, I feel like when I hear that, Taylor's saying, like, the girl really isn't fucked in the head. All right, Allie, stop, stop, stop. (laughs) We're going to get to that line, okay? Okay, okay. Okay, I'm just going to um, tap out for this section because Cressy has a whole thing planned. Well, I so. have questions for you throughout, and I'd also like you to be the one to read the lyrics. Okay. Just so Sounds I have good. a chance to catch my breath. But I An just interactive lesson. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I just want to let everyone know if you haven't realized this by now, but I have a really, really deep love for this song. I go back and forth between this song and Gold Rush being my favorite. And it's usually this song just like a little bit higher than Gold Rush. Before you dive in, can I say one thing? This is my one thought. I didn't really take time to really look into Champagne Problems, even though I also love the song. But I've known for the past 24 hours that Cressy has had this planned. So I haven't said anything. But I know for a fact she does not have the same reaction as I do. Do you want to hear it, Cressy? My one reaction. Sure. (laughs) 
I don't know if all the listeners will understand this, um, but the beginning of this song always reminds me of Dear Theodosia from Hamilton. Okay, I'm done. All right, Cressy. Yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. I thought you were going <laughs> to say a New Year's Day, and I was going to be like, Ellie, everyone thinks that. <laughs> <laughs> no. For the record, I do do... I really... I really do love this song, but I'm excited for Cressy's English prowess to take over. So let's go. Let's fucking go. LFG. (laughs) And this is going to be long. I'm sorry, you guys. But if you like this song, I really think that if you hear some of these extra, like just little things that you may not have noticed, I think it's going to make you love it a million times more. So just for quick context, I have said this many a time on the podcast i went to school for english literature so this is kind of my thing it's kind of this it's it's super annoying but this is what i do i i like to i have a tendency of finding little tiny layered words here and there that add a little something extra to songs just like chevy trucks have a tendency of getting stuck at back roads at night oh my god shut up (laughs) (laughs) how long have you had that planned (laughs) So long, so long. All of that to say, I noticed that this song that's about rejecting a proposal is actually, it's got some mental health layers to it, which, yes, which makes me love it even more because I love a story within a story. You know, we love layers. We need a B plot to the A plot. So Allie, question for you now. Before the song came out, what was your idea of a champagne problem and what is it now and thirdly have you heard the term champagne problem before Cressy I am so happy you have asked this tonight um so something that you friends who are listening may not or may know about me is when I moved to Charleston I started working for a social media influencer and you know what social media influencers have champagne fucking problems yeah (laughs) um and this was a phrase that she used a lot um and so i learned it from her and a champagne problem from what i learned from this social media influencer is a problem that's not really a problem it's kind of like a high society you live a luxurious life it's that kind of problem Mm -hmm. so the social media influencer used to say that when she would get all these boxes of free things arriving to her house that she would have to open and promote. Like, she would get annoyed by that because they would pile up, but she'd be like, oh, that's a champagne problem. I'm getting all these free luxury items. That is a perfect example. The example that I have is when Courtney says to Kim Kardashian after she loses a diamond earring in the ocean, Kim, there's people that are dying. <laughs> yeah, that's no, a champagne that's- problem. <laughs> Absolutely. So nail on the head. Woo! In relation to the song then, when you saw that on the track list, did you, were you already expecting a song that was kind of about this, like maybe like luxurious problems or just what were you expecting? I would love to know because I wasn't expecting anything. I went into this completely blind. I didn't know what to think. I was expecting a very upbeat, song to be honest because champagne problems was a phrase that I always heard in like a fun way Mm -hmm. so I had a vibe 
in mind before listening to the song that it was going to sound like this is why we can't have nice things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was kind of expecting something upbeat too, now that you say that. But just to clarify to anyone listening or anyone who may not have heard this term or maybe English isn't your first language, champagne problems is an idiom that refers to a problem experienced by a super well-off person. And that's in comparison mm-hmm. to real-life world events, like regular people stuff like, like poverty or, or a global pandemic, you know? Mm-hmm. So Ali's example... Nail on the head. Like, oh, I've got all these boxes of free stuff. Damn, this is annoying, you know? Like, that's a perfect example. So as we discuss this song, I just want you to keep that theme in your mind, okay? Of a person going through something. To outsiders, though, they're not really going through something in comparison to, Uh like, like, Kim, there's people that are dying, you know? Yeah. And just for simplicity's sake, I'm going to refer to the narrator as she and her and the partner of the narrator as he slash him. I know that's very heteronormative of me, but this is how my mind is picturing it. And I'm going to get confused if I don't do it. So just letting everyone know that. So let's get started with the lyrics. Allie, can you read the first four lines to me? It's going to be really hard for me not to sing this, but I'm not going to. I know. I'm so glad you're doing it and not me. Um... Okay, here we go. You booked the night train for a reason, so you could sit there in this hurt. Bustling crowds or silent sleepers, you're not sure which is worse. So everything I've seen about this part of the song online is that the narrator's partner expected like a rejection and he had a train ticket booked. Did, did you hear it that way? Because I didn't at all. But that's kind of like the general consensus. How I interpreted it is that after he was rejected, Mm -hmm. he was like, I just need to get out of here. I want to be on the night train. I know that's miserable, but this Mm -hmm. suits my mood. I want to be on the night train alone. Same. And that he just, he didn't want to spend the night with this girl because assuming they lived together or something, you know, or they had plans that night. That's how I saw it too. So I'm glad I wasn't the only one. But yeah, he just couldn't bear to spend the night with someone who just rejected him. And he goes back to his family. And don't you do sulky things when you're super sad? Like, I love to put myself in sulky scenarios when I'm sad. Yeah. You know? This is the equivalent of listening to ribs and staring out the window. Yeah. Or like, you know, or even just a nighttime drive. Like the song Driver's License. Sometimes mm-hmm. you just want to put your through your... Sometimes you just want to put yourself through the loneliness that you're feeling. Exactly. And I think that's what this guy is doing here. And I think he's watching like these bustling crowds of maybe people going out or they're partying. And then there's also people who are sleeping on the train and he doesn't know what is worse. Like, would he rather be surrounded by a ton of people like comforting him or would he rather like just be alone? Like the people sleeping on a train. Oh, interesting. I That's how didn't I even it. think of it that way. I didn't even like think about the line bustling crowds are silent sleepers. Honestly, yeah. Like what you're not sure and what's you, worse. And when you are going through something so traumatic and like emotional and emotionally wrecking as something like this, mm-hmm. like really no scenario is better. And you're like trying mm-hmm. to figure out yeah, what you don't you know what's worse. Like should yeah. I be drinking my problems away with all of my friends? Or should I sit in the bathtub for five hours? 
Yeah, like you still feel the same amount of hurt and sadness. Yeah, like, it doesn't you know, change like anything. Just, no, but you like think different scenarios will mm-hmm. help. We're getting very deep already. Oh yeah. my God, we've just begun. <laughs> All right, next four lines, Ali, please. Okay. Because I, oh my God, this one's even harder to not say. <laughs> because I <laughs> dropped your hand while dancing, left you out there standing, crestfallen on the landing, champagne problems. So this is the first champagne problem that sets the scene for the entire song. She's dancing with this guy, her lover, and she leaves him. She hurts him. She leaves him standing. So this is on her. This is on surface level. Like this is a champagne problem. Like girl, you loved him. There's people that are dying. You know, this is on you. Yeah. Yeah. So this kind of sets, sets the scene. So now let's go to the next four lines, please, Allie. Okay. Your mom's ring in your pocket, my picture in your wallet. Your heart was glass, I dropped it. Champagne problems. I love this part of the song because it shows how attached he is to her, but she isn't to him on the same fundamental level. So even just him emptying out his pockets, there's a ring for her in his wallet. There's a picture of her and all she has of his is his glass hard. What does she do? She fucking drops it. Like, oh my God. Like, the layers there. And that's a champagne problem right there. Like, wow, this guy has a ring for you. Like, he's so awesome. And like, you have his heart in your hands and you break it. Like, what Ugh. a champagne problem, you know? I already want to cry. It might be the red <laughs> wine. But I already want to cry. Oh, I have, there was one night, I don't remember when it was, I was so, I was just frustrated or sad about something. I just cued this song up like 20 times and I just just sobbed. And it's not even like, I've I've never rejected a proposal. I don't relate to that, but it just, it just hits in some kind of way, you know? Well, also the way that she says it, like, your heart was glass, I dropped it, champagne problems. Mm. Like she skips right into it. Like the way she says it is like... Oh, it just gives me chills. It's like it, it's so knowing. good. Yeah. yeah. So next four lines, please, Allie. Okay. I, I if I don't start crying by the end of the song, if you're gonna make me read every line, I'm going to cry. <laughs> the only reason I'm not gonna cry is because I've listened to it, this song so much that I'm like numb to it now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's something about it's like so good. Well, and listening to this song, like, you know, you can kind of, you know, it's super emotional, but you can kind of like hide the emotions. No, you're making me sit down and read line by line. I am going to cry. This is group therapy for everyone listening in Ali. Oh and y'all God. are going to have to suck it up and deal with it while I dissect. You Next four lines, please. You should put the red <laughs> wine down. I said only two glasses. I did. To anyone <laughs> listening, I said, Ali, no more than two glasses tonight. Two glasses is just enough to get the tear ducts flowing. (laughs) Let me tell you, this is red wine. (sighs) Okay. Next four lines. You told your family for a reason. You couldn't keep it in. Your sisters splashed out on the bottle. Now no one's celebrating. So here we learn that he tells his family that he's going to propose before he proposes because he's just so excited about it. And... He hasn't even gotten a yes yet. He's, he just wants to tell someone. He couldn't keep it in, you know? And his sister appears to be excited because she spends a lot of coins on some champagne for them. And now no one's celebrating. Next four lines, please. Oh my God, I'm probably going to say this wrong, which is going to show me that I'm not fancy. Dom Perignon. Uh, I, 
I saw somewhere online that Taylor says it incorrectly too, so it doesn't matter. Okay, I'm gonna. Apparently, she sings it incorrectly. (laughs) Dom Perignon. Maybe that's how she says it. Dom. I think it's Dom Perignon. Yon. I'm pretty sure it has. That's how my I read it in my mind. I don't know, but just however you want to say it. Dom Perignon, you brought it. No crowd of friends applauded. Your hometown skeptics called it champagne problems. Okay, so here is where I'm wondering what your thoughts are, because I'm not sure if he has the bottle of champagne that his sister gave him for this celebration, and he's now, like, on the train, like, going back, and he's he brought it, like, he's bringing it back, or maybe we're back to the scene of the proposal, and there's this bottle of champagne in the back for them to open after the big yes, or maybe it's, like, from the point of view of the sister... I don't know, but I do think, regardless, he is going back home and it's not a celebration. Okay, so this is how I interpreted it. Going back to the previous four lines, your sister splashed out on the bottle. I picture that as his sister, like, honestly, a little drunk, a little tipsy from being, like, excited to celebrate. So when I see Dom Perignon, you brought it. I think of, like, on all the biggest events, like, on my graduation day, my sister brought me a really expensive bottle of champagne. Like, so he thought that this was going to be this momentous, huge day of celebration. So he bought the most expensive champagne that he could afford Mm -hmm. and he brought it. But when he proposed, she rejected it. So no crowd of friends applauded because it was suddenly not a celebration. It was a really heartbreaking scenario. Mm -hmm. And then when I see your hometown skeptics called it, I, I feel as though I feel that the guy who proposed is feeling like, oh my God, all of those people from my hometown were right. This was never going to work out. That's how I interpret it. So when I hear hometown skeptics called it, I kind of think the same thing. I think the champagne problem here is just that he's so young because we know that they're college sweethearts. Taylor says this about the song. So he's probably around 22 at this point, which is really young to get married. That's child marriage to me. And so his hometown friends or just people who know of him are sort of like, please, like, you're fine. Like, you have the entire rest of your life to find someone to marry. Like, there's much bigger things going on. So that's kind of how I saw that. I saw something on my Facebook Swifty group um, where there was this one couple that proposed in front of Taylor where she said yes in front of Taylor and then ended up saying no. And I don't know how old they were exactly, but they definitely looked pretty young. I think that this has happened several times. Mm-hmm. I think Taylor has experienced several fan proposals. And at stop this point. doing that, y'all. <laughs> yeah. Stop. I, yeah. There's also the video of the love story proposal. And I think that's great for them if that's like mm-hmm. really what they wanted. Um, but like for me personally... I don't really want to get proposed to at a concert. There's just too much else going on. I want it to be on me. Like, you know? To me, that's rude to me and to Taylor. Yeah. You're taking away from the special moment between the two of us. Yeah. You may be like the third guy here, but this is like a me and Taylor thing. (laughs) You're just kind of here. Even beyond getting proposed to at the concert, and no offense to anyone listening who maybe got proposed to at a concert, like if that's what you wanted, that's great. But... If I was actually literally in front of Taylor Swift and you proposed to me, 
Oh my I god, would be I'd like, be so embarrassed. Um, this is my one chance to meet Taylor Swift, and now I have to focus on you. Excuse me, I have Taylor Swift to my right. Like, well, and not only that, you're meeting Taylor Swift like because of this proposal. So if for whatever reason Taylor thinks about you in the future, she's not gonna think about what a big fan you are. She's gonna think about the proposal. Well, then on one hand, I would argue if you're proposed to in front of Taylor Swift. Um, I mean, at this rate, it might not be that unique. Like, there might have been several at this time, you know, now. But, like, maybe the thought process is, oh, my God, if I propose to my girlfriend in front of Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift will have to remember us. But I don't think that's necessarily true, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's happened a handful of times at this rate. Yeah, it's cringy. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to go on to the next four lines? Anything to add to what we just read? No, I think we're ready. This is where mental health comes in, so get ready. Buckle up. You had a speech, you're speechless. Love slipped beyond your reaches, and I couldn't give a reason. Champagne problems. So, when Taylor sings, and I couldn't give a reason, she has no explanation for why she rejects his proposal. Not only that, but why she feels that way. So it's not that she thinks we should wait a little longer, we're too young, or maybe we should buy a house first. There's literally no reason in this girl's mind. There's nothing that would warrant this reaction. So even she's kind of surprised. And I think that it can be related to someone struggling with something like mental illness because oftentimes there is not a reason. You know, like you can have a great group of friends, great job, great life, great family, just all this. And you still have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning or you still get anxious for various reasons. But there is no, it's not like a cause and effect. You have no reason why. So that's kind of why I see it here because she doesn't have a reason. She just doesn't want to. And it's not even that she's saying no, she's speechless. And that's a champagne problem. She has a seemingly good life with a seemingly great boyfriend. In this entire song, there's nothing negative about this guy. Not what every everything in here makes him seem like a like a great boyfriend. And she has no reason, you know? Giant champagne problem. I think something that's interesting that you just said is that you were saying that the girl was speechless after rejecting because she didn't have a reason. I always really liked the line, you had a speech, you're speechless, because I pictured it as this guy gets down on a knee, has the whole speech plan for why he wants to spend the rest of his life with her, but she's like suddenly like, no, no, you know, and Mm -hmm. then he's speechless because his speech Mm -hmm. is taken from him. That's how I always pictured it. I think that's accurate too, because it does say you had a speech, you're speechless. Yeah. So I do think that he did have like this whole speech But then she couldn't give a reason. And then he's speechless. You know, I think all around, there's zero speech. Yeah, there's no speech. in shock. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. They're without speech. All right, Allie. So I want you to read the next line. Just the line. Because we're about to get crazy. Okay. Your Midas touch on the Chevy door. Okay. So for this bridge... We're only going to go like one to two lines at a time (laughs) because they are that packed. And we're going to start with this line. Your mind is touch on the Chevy door. So Allie, 
are you familiar with the Greek mythology of King Midas? Like a Midas touch. No. It's kind of like an Achilles heel. Okay. Yeah. So basically King Midas, the story is everything he touches turns to gold. Oh, And okay. the reason why this happens is because he helps this super drunk guy that happens to be friends with a god. I'm not going to get into their names or whatever. It's not important to the story. You can look it up on Wikipedia. That's what I did. But essentially, King Midas is this super awesome baller host to this guy who's lost. And after about a week or two, the god rewards King Midas with one wish. And King Midas wants to have everything he touches turn to gold. So your Midas touch on the Chevy door just surface level, can mean that this guy, this boyfriend, he has a way of making everything, even the most mundane, so special and beautiful. Oh. Like, even just opening, like, the door of a truck for her. Yeah. It's like his Midas, it's like turning to gold for her. Oh, my God. But let's go a little deeper. So, King Midas, he was really excited about this gift, right? Yeah. Cool gift. And um, one of the first things he did was turn all the roses in his garden gold. But he was a he was a naive man. Because after this, he got hungry. And he realized he couldn't eat. And he was going to starve to death. Oh my God. And then his daughter comes in, super upset. Because the roses in her garden are rock hard. And they don't smell anymore. Doesn't smell like roses anymore. Sounds like a champagne and, problem. <laughs> and he goes to console her. And he turns her to gold. Oh, no. He turns his daughter into a statue. So now he's fucked, okay? <laughs> he's got to get fixed. He begs this god to change him back. And the god says, all right, go to this river. You can undo it. Everything you put in there, it will revert back. And then it's some actual river that does have gold in it. And that's like the story of why it has gold. Oh. You know? Interesting. It has a high presence to this day, apparently. But now back to the song... This guy's Midas touch. He proposes to this girl and she freezes. Just like the daughter in the story. Oh my lord. I'm literally going to tear up because there's just so many layers in this one line. Yeah. That, okay. I Even with you explaining the story, that was not where I was seeing that going. But that is so right. All right. Next line, please, Allie. Just, just the one line. Okay. Please. <laughs> one by one. <laughs> November flush and your flannel cure. All right. I love this line because it basically means it's November and it's cold. <laughs> and and you gave me a flannel because I was cold. Oh, my God. You know? Flannel like, cure. That's it. Oh, my God. <laughs> exactly. November flush. She's freezing. She's cold. And his cure is giving her a flannel. This is, he's a good guy. He's warming her up when she's cold. He's, he's curing her. She uses the word cure. That's yeah. like kind of clinical, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's just such a cool way to say something so simple. It's not like, I was cold and you gave me your sweater, you know? November. November flesh and your flannel cure. Oh. So good. All right. Next line, please, Allie. This dorm was once a madhouse. I made a joke. Well, it's made for me. Oh, Shit. <laughs> so here she's joking about her mental health like she belongs in a madhouse i like i like i never even took it as that and then knowing what you like preface this whole discussion with when i read that i was like oh shit mm -hmm. clear as day 
Can you please read the next two lines? Okay. However green... Oh, this line kills me. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. However green, our group of friends don't think we'll say that word again. So good. So I definitely wanted to call attention to these two lines together because I have seen a lot of confusion over it on what that word is. And it's it's pretty clear she means are, right? Mm-hmm. You Do you agree? Our, I don't think saw we'll- some things about people thinking they'll never say the word evergreen or friends. And it's like, no, it's are. She's saying we're never going to have things that are ours, right? Yeah, I think when I hear that line, what I think of is like, I know that our group of friends is more than one word, but I just right off the bat, and I knew that there's like grammar problems with this, but I always... Mm-hmm thought of it as like, we're never going to have our group of friends again. Exactly. So it probably was more, I was thinking of the word our just as a Mm -hmm. secondary thought. Yeah. Like no longer are they sharing things that are theirs. Yeah. Because of what she did. Yeah. Okay. Next two lines, please. And soon they'll have the nerve to deck the halls that we once walked through. So these two lines here remind me of the imagery we see when she sings your Midas touch on the Chevy door. Yeah. That their relationship was this beautiful, legendary thing. And now some freshman twerps are going to move into their old dorm and have the nerve to hang up posters. (laughs) You know, like how do they have the nerve to deck the halls that we once walked through? Like it's this historical scene. Yeah. It should be in a museum. Yeah. Which honestly is how it feels when you leave college. Like when you see mm-hmm. even like Sky Bar for us, you know, like, mm-hmm. which is it's different. Yeah, it's the bar in Auburn that everyone thinks is their home, but everyone has their own personal nook and cranny of Sky, I feel like. And then like mm-hmm. you walk in one day and you're 23 or 24 and, you know, and then there's all these people that are younger than you and living the life that you once had and you're like, what? Or they just did a fresh coat of paint and it paints over where you wrote your name in Sharpie, uh, you know? Yeah. It's like how they have the nerve to deck the halls that we once walked through. I love these two lines. Any non-Auburn listeners, they knocked down our freshman bar in Auburn. They knocked we, it to the ground. Never, we cannot talk about coyotes ever again because I will start crying. Allie and I have the best stories in that place, including having to dry our hair with the hand dryers <laughs> because we were in the back of a truck on the way there in the bed while it started pouring. Luau. <laughs> sweet, sweet, Vams. Which is now nothing but some rubble on the ground. Literal rubble. Yeah, it's getting a hotel built over it. So can you please read the next two lines, please? Okay. One for the money, two for the show. I never was ready, so I watch you go. So one for the money and two for the show is an idiom. It, it means what it says. It's basically like a one, two, three, go, or on your marks, get set, go. Ugh. It's also a children's rhyme from some super old story from like the 1800s. Hmm. I, I don't know. <laughs> Kids are dumb, right? <laughs> But the full rhyme is one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. Mm. So instead of three to get ready, she was never ready. And instead of four to go, she's watching him go. Her mind. How? Like she didn't just use one for the money, two for the show. Like that's the idiom itself. She takes it a step farther by going to the origin of that idiom. Like, <laughs> whoa. 
<laughs> I would have never known that in a thousand years. Ever. I didn't know that it was a children's rhyme until I looked it up. <sighs> and that the lines match up with how she said it. It's crazy. Every <sighs> little thing she does. Like, I mean, don't even get me, you know, don't even get started on her little... Um, Easter eggs in all of her posts mm-hmm. and things like down to her lyrics, down to practically everything she does. It is so thought out and meticulously put mm-hmm. for meaning. Everything means something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I like this song so much because it isn't rooted in realism. Like we can't be like, Oh, what boyfriend was this about? You know, it really is like this story that you can get totally lost in and totally like absorb yourself in. Yeah. I just love it. All right, Ali. So can you read the next four lines for me, please? Okay. Sometimes you just don't know the answer till someone's on their knees and asks you. She would have made such a lovely bride. What a shame she's fucked in her head. They said. So here we see mental health struggles being brought up again. She does not have an answer to this man. We're towards the end of the song. She still no she still doesn't know. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't know the answer till someone asks you, you know? And people who know this couple are saying things like, Oh, y'all were such a cute couple. What a shame she's fucked in the head, you know? Like it would have been so great if she wasn't so mentally ill. Like <laughs> Which is honestly really symbolic I guess is the word I'm looking for because Mm -hmm. I started this out saying I thought the line what a shame she's fucked in the head was more like sarcastic like she's not really fucked in the head but people are going to say that because they don't agree with her decisions but then now viewing it from a mental illness standpoint people saying what a shame she's fucked in her head it really kind of to me symbolizes how people belittle mental illness Mm -hmm. And say, like, oh, she's just fucked in the head. And they just kind of, like, wave mm-hmm. it off. Like, nothing you can do. You know? Or if people were like, oh, why didn't it not work out? He probably was like, well, you know, like, she's going through something. She didn't have an answer, you know? Like, yeah. Like, he doesn't have a reason. Like, kind of, like, alluding to it's her, you know? Not me. Which is true. This this does seem like an okay person, you know? Yeah. There's not one negative thing about this guy. So I think what you said, it can be true that they're just saying like, wow, like that's so crazy. She's, she must be fucked in the head to reject a guy this good. Mm -hmm. But it can also have that layered meaning of mental health issues. And to me too, if we're looking at it from less of the mental illness side, if you're just looking at it from two different perspectives, say that this person doesn't have mental illness, it could be looking at it in terms of, people who follow their head versus their heart. You know, her head could have been like, yes, I should say yes. But if her heart was like, no, sometimes you don't have an answer for your own heart, you know? Mm -hmm. And then they're going to say, what a shame she's fucked in the head because she's not taking the easy route, Mm -hmm. the route that everyone expected. Like the logical move would be for her to like marry her college sweetheart. That's like, that's the logical choice. Like he's got a ring. They seem great. Things seem to be fine. He thinks things are fine, certainly. Yeah. Like, that is that is totally true. That's definitely another meaning. Like, that's, like, the logical thing to do. Yeah. Is to say yes. Yeah. Even if you aren't sure. Mm-hmm. All right. Can you please read the next two lines? But you'll find the real thing instead. She'll patch up your tapestry that I shred. 
So I think the use of the word tapestry here is interesting because tapestries are like pretty common in dorm rooms. Yeah. And she kind of metaphorically ripped his up as in she ruined his quintessential college memories. Oh, shit. Like our beloved freshman bar, like getting torn down, you know, like his (laughs) tapestry was ripped up. Even though it wasn't actually ripped up, she's saying she'll patch up your tapestry that I shred. So someone is going to come along that's going to make him forget these tainted memories. Yeah. And I just, I really love that she uses the word tapestry to symbolize it because, I mean, that is like such basic college, like wall decor. Like everyone has a tapestry. I have something to add to that. Tapestries in history have been used to tell stories so in a way tapestries symbolize the memories itself too because and she's like shredding this this fairy tale ending story that they had she's she's fucking up that story she's fucked in the head she's fucked in the head not really listen we're no we're saying that sarcastically and can you read the next four lines please and hold and your- we're almost done. Yes, we're almost Sadly, I wish we could talk about this song forever, we're but we're almost done. Almost done with this emotional attack. Okay, the next four lines say, And hold your hand while dancing, never leave you standing, crestfallen on the landing with champagne problems. So here we see a nod to how the song starts. And she's saying that the next girl who ends up being the one isn't going to have my champagne problems. You know, she's not going to be fucked in the head. She's not going to leave you standing. She will be there for you like a partner should. Mm-hmm. So basically being everything that she's not. Yeah, it's it's flipping the beginning of the song. Mm-hmm. Okay, last four lines. Uh, six. I think it's technically six, but you know, the last few lines. Okay. Your mom's ring in your pocket, her picture in your wallet. You won't remember all my champagne problems. You won't remember all my champagne problems. And then we get to the ending. This is continuing the flip-flop of the beginning of the song. And love that. But this is one place where I have the tiniest, tiniest bit of critique. Let's hear it. I really wish Taylor had said, instead of your mom's ring in your pocket, her picture in your wallet... I wish she had like further flipped that to your picture and her locket or something to show that she has like this new girl, like she actually has something of his shit because now like this guy, he's still, it's still on him, even though it seems like that it seems like it's going to work out with, with the new gal. But I thought that would just be, cause that's how I actually heard it until I looked at the lyrics. I heard it as your picture and her locket. And I was like, wow, that's so fucking good. And then I looked at the lyrics. And, <laughs> and you're like, it no. was like this whole like narrative I had built that was like around like the first part of the song being perfectly flip-flopped. It's this one place where it's not. I mean, it technically is because it, it makes sense. It it shows that she has been completely replaced down to the photo in his wallet. Yeah. He's not going to remember her champagne problems because these memories are going to be replaced. Like how she is being replaced in the end of the song. But yeah, it would have been really deep if we had gotten Locket. Shit. Crazy. If Taylor ever listens to this and she hears that line, his picture in her locket or your picture in her locket, 
she will be shaken to her core and be like, what I hope the she fuck is. was I thinking? Because I, I, I wasn't even like, it should be this. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> well, probably because your Cause mind it just, was like, makes working sense. that way. You know, like you're yeah, probably like, yes. Yeah, all the lines before it were flipped. And my mind was like hearing her picture in your wallet, like flipped to your picture in her locket. Yeah. You know? I think after reading these lyrics, because, you know, sometimes you just miss things when you're just listening. Like you just hear things wrong. Um, I never had that thought process of the locket thing, but like, I don't think I ever really interpreted the fact that she's now singing, you know, her picture in your wallet. Like, I don't think I ever interpreted the fact that this girl came in and replaced her. I don't know. I think I was still Mm -hmm. hearing it as the first couple choruses and things. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me now, I feel like I like the song more because in a way, in a very, very sad, tragic way, it has a happy ending because another Mm -hmm. girl comes in and replaces her, which flips the ending to happy for him, but almost sad for her in a way, but like happy Mm -hmm. too. You know, like I'm sure she's happy that he's happy, but like it just kind of flips the narrative. Yeah, she's self-aware, it seems like, the narrator. And with, like, the happy endings that you talked about, I feel like this song, the way it ends, it kind of alludes to that. Because so it's just, like, the piano keys, and it's just kind of, like, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, yeah. kind of just, like, she's just kind of, like, swinging her hand across the keys, just, like, and it's just kind of, like, blah, like, I give up. Like, that's all I have to say. I'm done. There's no happy ending here. I can't end this song well. So here's just some random keys. Which is kind of how you feel when there is closure on something yeah, like that. There is it cl- closure doesn't always like wrap itself up in a nice bow. Sometimes you're just like, bleh, piano keys. Yeah. That's it. That's all I have to say, you know? So I really love that it ended that way. Wow. Okay. You definitely shaped the song for me now. <laughs> well, I'm glad it was. I know this is probably gonna be like an hour of the episode. <laughs> But I really, I this song deserves to be dissected like this because I really think if people hear it all, then they're going to love it even more, even if it's not their favorite. Because it's just so good, especially the King Midas. Oh my God, like the different layers of him opening the door and then him turning her to gold. Ooh. You need to write a thesis on this. <laughs> I have written too many things about Taylor during my college career, so I need to not anymore if I'm not getting a grade for it. <laughs> Honestly, what if we make it a thing that people sing over that final verse, her picture in your wallet, that people start singing your picture in her locket? Oh. Anyone, if you know Taylor, you don't even have to tell her about the podcast, okay? Because, you know, we've said some... We don't always agree with her. We're not yes women. We aren't. But just tell her, Chrissy and Allie wish that you changed this one line. (laughs) Well, thank you, Chrissy, for that very thoughtful analysis. I already loved Champagne Problems, and I don't think I'll ever listen to it the same now. So, well done. I'm glad you like it. I'm I'm applauding you. I'm glad you liked it. Thank you. You're very welcome. So now we're going to move on to track number three. (laughs) Like so many, I don't know once we edit it, if this is going to be an hour in or like minutes. I don't know. We don't know. But we're on track three. There's so much more to talk about. Okay. So track three is Gold Rush. Now, Gold Rush, I'm going to speak for both of us. 
um, from what I've heard from you and my own personal feelings, I feel like Gold Rush was a very quick favorite for us. I know it was for me. I think that was the first song mm-hmm. that I heard on that night at midnight where I was like, oh, shit. Fire. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was the first one. But that at was- first, I was, at first, when, it, when it's like, ah, you know, like, just like the really high-pitched noises. Yeah. Y'all know I don't like high-pitched noises. <laughs> I was like, oh, God, I'm going to hate this song. But then it stops. And then, like, the beat starts. And it's like, dun, Oh, dun, my God. Dun. It's like, whoa, I'm in for a ride. Yeah. Well, and even, like, in my first, like, handful of times listening to Evermore, you know, like, when you're trying to guess what song from the beginning, what it's going to be. I would always be thrown off by the beginning of Gold Rush. Like, I would never expect Gold Rush, even though it was one of my favorites, like, one of my early favorites. Um, Because the beginning, the intro to the song is so different from the rest of the song. I agree. That being said, Gold Rush was written and produced by Taylor Swift and Jack Antonoff. And it's one of Jack Antonoff's, like, only producing credit on the album. Which is interesting, but it's also a very Jack Antonoff song. Like, we Mm -hmm. have said that between each other previously. That was my first reaction. Yeah, I think you texted that. "Ah," That part stopped and it got to like the dun dun. I was like, this is one of Jack's songs without even knowing it. Yeah, and I remember you texting that to me and that was like one of the first moments where I was like, oh, yeah, like it totally is. And that was, I was like, I can actually recognize Jack in it once you've said that. And I think it's the way that it builds. Like, it builds so well. Um, and the way it ends. But yes. we'll, get, we'll get there. Yes. We'll get there. <laughs> so the first note that I have for Gold Rush is that this entire song reminds me of the line from the song Lover where Taylor says, and I'm highly suspicious that everyone who sees you wants you. Because if you like someone and you have that feeling, it sucks. Like, it honestly, like, it kind of, it has detracted from a person if I feel like every single person likes that person. I'm like, uh, like, it's almost that competition. Like, you're just like, I don't want to put myself mm-hmm. through that turmoil. I'm just going to back out, throw in the flag. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just can't put myself through that, which is like, it feels like falling till the bones crash, you know? Like, it's just like, uh, like, it's like, it's a horrible feeling to feel that way. Second, um, one of the lines, I guess, because we already talked about how much we like the song, so I'm going to just dive into one of the lyrics. One thing that I saw on the Swifty Facebook page was the line, with my Eagles t-shirt hanging from the door, and in the post, the um, person asked, do you think she means Eagles the band or Eagles the football team? And I'm going to venture to say that I think that she means Eagles, the football team, because of the Philadelphia Eagles from Pennsylvania. It fits the hometown vibe. So that's that's interesting to me because I've always... So whenever I hear this song, I think of it as Joe... This is Joe's version of Gorgeous. Like, in gorgeous the song is oh my god you're so hot i could die like you have to date me like right now i'm fucking ready and this is like you are so beautiful like this is too much for me this is a gold rush i can't so to me i this is from him to her even though he's not a credit for it but i've always wondered 
the Eagles is such an like a quintessentially American band. Yeah. Like would would he be into it? But I, I mean, Jack was a co-writer on this, right? So yeah. maybe this is Jack's input here for this line. Well, when I first saw that question posed, I was like, oh, for sure the band. Like Philadelphia Eagles, who? But like because, you know, obviously Taylor is a musician. She has many music interests. Maybe this is one of the bands that her and Joe enjoy together. Who knows? Anyways, past that, something that I noticed probably right off the bat is the line, my mind turns your life into folklore. Obviously, gonna raise a flag. Um, I don't know if anyone else experiences this, but I know that in the past when I've had a crush on someone, I start to play out scenarios in my mind about like how they grew up, their past girlfriends, their friendships, like their childhood. Like you start daydreaming and kind of like picturing in your head what that was like. So the line, Mm -hmm. my mind turns your life into folklore, makes me think of like how infatuated Taylor was with Joe and how she like just made up all of these like imaginary stories in her head that turned into folklore and evermore because of her infatuation and creative imagination about Joe. That is so interesting because that line makes me think of this from being Joe's perspective because Taylor's life is so legendary. True. She's such <laughs> a legend that when you think about her past, it's folklore. I I love that it can be both. I also like that you like I never once thought about this as Joe's perspective on Taylor because obviously Taylor would be a gold rush. Like she's a beautiful celebrity, super mm-hmm. successful, amazing person. What is it like to grow up that beautiful, you know? And like that sought after. So like, I don't know, like Obviously, we've never been around celebrities, but if you're Joe Alwyn, very much not a celebrity in comparison to Taylor Swift, and you're like, oh shit, I like Taylor Swift. Well, so does the rest of the world. Everyone else (laughs) loves Taylor Swift. You know, so like, it's a gold rush in that way, but also, could it be a gold rush in terms of her success financially? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think, I don't think that's like the main premise, but like it kind of has that double meaning in a way. Yeah. Like, or just like her celebrity status is a gold rush. You know, like some people probably dated she's her to be a all celebrity. around. It's, she's too much. Yeah. Or he's too much. Like whoever you want this to be about. Yeah. This person is just, they're too much. It's just too much. Yeah. They're too big. Yeah. Like it's intimidating. Too beautiful, too... Like, people would die to touch this person. That's too much. Yeah. And that's fucking true. I would die for, like, a handshake with Taylor. (laughs) And we are two... Accurate. (laughs) Heterosexual women who would die to touch Taylor Swift. Now think of everyone else who might have romantic attentions. Yeah. I just want, like, a high five. Yeah, like... (laughs) I would even I would die for that. (laughs) If I locked eyes with Taylor, if Taylor saw my face... That would make my life. Like, I would just be like, (gasps) and imagine being Joe and being low key and not liking that. Not everybody wants you. Everybody wonders what it would be like to love you. Walk past quick brush. That's so much. It's such an interesting perspective because we've, we haven't really seen anything like this from Taylor. Like her saying like, I don't want any of that lovey dovey stuff, you know? 
Also something that I noticed when looking at the lyrics was she first says, I call you out on your contrarian shit, which is one of my favorite lines from this whole thing. Um, But then she changes it towards the end of the song and she says, won't call you out on your contrarian shit. So I don't know. Take that as you will. I wonder why. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe it just shows that, you know, when you're flirty, you're, like, going to call them out on their, like, bad habits. But when you love someone, you start to accept those habits and you're like, oh, I love that about you, you know? Yeah. Or maybe it's like, "Mm, we'll talk about this in private. I won't call you out in front of a big group of people (laughs) anymore. (laughs) Well, and then in the clean version, it's, I'll call you out on your contrarian wit. Which to me changes the whole meaning, but I guess some people view the word wit with different connotations. Some people might view wit more as shit because it can be kind of snarky. Or if you're like me, wit is a good thing. Like I'm like, ah, you're funny. I like you. Even if it's contrarian. Yeah. (laughs) Much to think about. I have just one little last note. Okay. Uh, It's the mentioning of tea in this song very english to me oh into the gray of my day old tea earl gray tea <laughs> english enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with BetMGM at your fingertips every play and every game matters more than ever place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 